It's a new day. I've woken up next to you again. We're back. Perth Football Podcast Season 2 started the weekend with a glorious Gustavo Hattrick on Friday night before Armidale banged in. Half a dozen on Saturday and a bump in the road for both the men's and women's running champions. It's Floriot and Red Star in the men's and women's respectively. Both surrender the most dangerous lead in football. It's the Perth Football Podcast. And we are back after a bunch of technical technical difficulties and now difficulties speaking. You guys didn't even know about the technical difficulties, so I didn't have to tell you, but I have now. Uh, we're back. Sophomore season of the Perth Football Podcast. As I said in the intro, the second year is always the hardest. And alongside me to help guide me through the bumps and turns and twists and roundabouts, the man that we dubbed last year the greatest man. That's a tough moniker to live up to, but he's back again to try and go one better. Josh Chiat, welcome back. I don't know how I go one better than being the greatest man. Yeah, grammatically you can't, but never doubt Josh Chide. He'll find a way. Uh, Producer Calicio Sun was standing opposite me. Welcome back. It's good to be back, especially in a studio as well. No, no, uh, no noise to cancel out. It's just us. It is just us. Well, it's not just us, Calicio, because on the line, we've got the man who knows everything about everything, as long as it's football, Tommy Dolman. Hey, 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 everyone. That's a pretty good little nickname, isn't it? I just came up with that on the fly. Anyway, I'm Sean Fry. I'm the host. I'll be doing that sort of thing all year on the reg. We're going to dive straight into their football because my New Year's resolution is to not have so much faffing about in the studio. If you've ever been to a Perth Football Podcast studio, there's a lot of faffing. Um, so we're going to cut out the faff. Or maybe that's, why they, well, maybe that's why people listen. We'll cut that out and just talk about the football and we'll, uh, our listenership will drop. But we will see because we are going to start tonight with the Women's MPL Night Series Final. And it was won, maybe, uh, by a team that are going to try and upset the apple cart. They've got a bunch of new signings. Perth Soccer Club getting over Red Star. 7-6 uh, on penalties. Josh Chart, you were at this game? Yeah, I think it may have been the best of the three night series finals. I thought the uh, the Fremantle-Mandra game was obviously a classic uh, with all the, the, the tosses and turns that one took. But just the storyline told throughout this game, you had Red Star, invincible last season, but obviously missing a lot of the players that really made them tick. Um, Perth Soccer Club, they are the powerhouse club of football in Western Australia, and they're desperate to have their women hold that. NPL women's title, uh, like the the 26 that they've held in the men's competition. And the players that they've added to their team this season are absolutely going to put them in with, with a shot of doing that. And if you look at the players that they brought off the bench, that game completely changed. It was night and day between the first half and the second half, where they really lacked a cutting edge in the first half. I thought... Um, Judy Connolly, Ella Lincoln, they had lots of nice touches in the first half, but it almost seemed like nobody really wanted to take a shot on when it was available to them. That second half, they had Ellie Lamont and Gemma Crane on two incredibly direct players, and it actually opened up the game for other players. And, and Judy Connolly, who uh, you know played through the whole game, she came into it towards the end and played a big role in both goals, including that stunning equaliser with the uh, the chop, uh, named, named after the player you don't want to talk about, Kalichi. <laughs> No. Not you don't want to talk, talk about, about him? No. Because it's called the Ronaldo chop, but then you find out there's videos of Pele doing the chop in the 50s, and you're like, ah, maybe we should call it the Pele. Go on a rant about it if you want. That's what we're here for. Soon. All right. Well, uh, let's throw it over to Tommy, because Tommy is uh, probably the man amongst us that's seen more 
women's football in Perth than anyone. Uh, Perth Soccer Club in a position to challenge for the title this year, Tommy? They should be on the evidence of what we saw last night and the impact that depth had. And um, just in general, they were pretty competitive in a lot of the games against Red Star last year on the head-to-head basis. I think it was uh, two draws and three single goal defeats in the five games. So really, it was the games against teams like NTC where they slipped up. So... The hope, I suppose, for Pete Rackett is that those players with a little bit of extra depth can can maybe give him that extra quality to be able to get them over the line in those matches. Um, but in terms of the game last night, just to echo Josh's point, I thought Judy Connolly was outstanding. She was she was absolutely everywhere, and it's fascinating because she when she was at NTC, she she started there obviously at the beginning of the NPL Women's era and, and played as a, a number eight slash number ten for NTC, and then. Played as a centre-back last season at the Azuri, which was quite an interesting change. But I suppose seeing her back in that position last night just gave us a bit of an idea as to, as to where we might see her this year. And, and yeah, as Josh said, she was outstanding and and uh, and, and very decisive in, in, in everything that Perth did, I thought, going forward. Well, very exciting season ahead if those two can go toe-to-toe and maybe an unexpected challenger or two. We will get to our predictions for uh, the Women's League season coming up but we'll we'll do that next week uh, after round 1. We'll we'll put it up on the on the socials before then but we'll discuss it next week. Uh, but just a little preview to that out of the rest of the teams Tommy is there one you think could challenge those two? And maybe a dark horse you've you've got on uh, on the back of your mind? Well, I think the I mean, the NTC are always a wild card. It'll be interesting to see whether Iskia Brookings can can maybe take that next step and um, deliver even more in terms of goals and assists. We know she's a, a player who can carry the ball and who has magnificent skill. And and there's still a lot of quality players in that side, the likes of Grace Johnston and, and Tanika Lala's um, still there in the squad as well. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can sort of take that next step and improve again and and obviously, I suppose we're all going to be keeping an eye on um, on Balcata as well because of Tia and, and her return and, and obviously hoping the best for her as she um, comes back to football. So, yeah, it, it's shaping up as a very tight race for the top four again, that's for sure, in, in that respect. All right. Well, before we move on to the plethora of men's action on the weekend, Kalichi, you wanted to make one final point and then over to you, Josh. Yeah, I did want to say the two things. One, the, the quality of the game was superb. Um the technique, the technical capacity, the players, it was all ball on the ground. There was so much bravery in terms of playing out the back. It was an absolute joy to watch. And if the game's going to be like that, then it's a cracker of a season. The other thing that I wanted to highlight is we spoke to a couple of the players and some of the team as well and said, look, maybe this might be a good thing. You're no longer undefeated and now you've got a chance to just kind of enjoy the season and not have this monkey on your back. And almost to us, to every single player, they said, no, 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 we're still undefeated. We didn't lose in 90 minutes. And if that's the attitude they're going to take, I'm just going to say, if that's the attitude they're going to take, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it that they want to hold on to it. They don't want to. Kalichi, they lost. My point it's is, sophistry. my point is, <laughs> they don't, they they don't want to take the, the the avenue of being like we don't need this pressure anymore. If It'd we, be really easy to not have the pressure. Is what I'm trying to say. I see what you're saying, but I like the way they're I mean, rewriting the rule. You and I have done this so many times over the years on FIFA, Kalichi. You know when you just twist the narrative to whatever suits you. So defeated in so, six. Exactly. So you can you can go 18 games without a win, and then the last three were draws. You finally win. I'm unbeaten in four. You, you know, um, in England have never won the Euros, but they've never lost them either. What do you... Well, they lost on a penalty shootout to Italy, didn't they? 
Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but I mean, they've lost every Euros they've been in. No, they haven't won the Oh, final. sorry. They, they, yeah, sorry. They've never lost a final. They've never lost the Euros they've Never lost Going a final by the Red the start there. Okay, all right. Never lost good. A final. But again, going back to my thank point. You, thank I you for the first awkward pause of the season, Josh. We needed that. Going back to my point, I loved the fact that they didn't shy away from it in terms of saying, you know, we have a, a little bit of uh, an avenue here to not have this pressure of being undefeated. And they go, no, 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 we still want to hold on to that. And I thought that was pretty cool. Okay. I guess. That's cool. Kaliji thinks it's cool. Girls, keep doing what you're doing. We'll be back uh, talking men's MPL in part two after this. And we're back for part two. Now, with all that faffing about that I usually do and me trying to get rid of all of that uh, this year, I completely forgot to give us an opening question in part one. So I'm going to throw that in now. Since it's the start of a new season, starting fresh, getting up early. How do you start your day, Josh? What's your breakfast? Breakfast of choice. Breakfast of choice. Uh, white toast. Meal. Oh God, Kalichi! I usually have a um a protein yogurt. Oh my God, Tommy! Protein yogurt. Uh, yogurt, yogurt. What are we saying? What's the pronunciation? That may be a bit of fruit on top and a black coffee. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I I'm horrible. I usually I just skip breakfast, but if I have to get something, I'll just get a sausage roll on the way to wherever I'm going from the servo with my sugar-free uh, monster. But you don't, um, like, you don't like the protein yogurt? I'm not a not exactly a picture of health compared to you three. Yeah, apparently, you don't, you don't want to load up a full sugar monster along with that sausage roll. No, well, see that I, I did make the switch from the full sugar monsters to the sugar-free, and I reckon I lost about ten kilos in a month. It was unbelievable, unbelievable. Anyway, speaking of unbelievable, Gustavo the Great has done it again. Hat-trick Friday night to kick off the season. And you boys were there. I, I should have opened this podcast by saying I was down south at a wedding all weekend. So if it sounds like I know even less than I usually do, it's uh, because I do. Uh, not that I'm the sharpest anyway, but Josh, uh, thoughts on that game? Oh, a bit of a turn up for the books if you looked at uh, the preseason and uh, how much turmoil they'd been at Sorrento, having to change their manager, Steve McGarry, coming in, but you've got to say, they, they looked really good. They looked really positive. And Gustavo Marilanda, when he's on song, he just leads defenders on a merry dance. I should have said the final score was Bayswater 1, Sorrento 4. Mark Withers uh, adding a fourth to Gustavo's hat-trick. Uh, he's just unbelievable, isn't he, Kalichi? That one goal in particular where he turns a player at the top of the 18-yard box is there's one player in Perth. If you just saw a silhouette doing that, you're saying that's that's Gustavo, isn't it? No, he's he's... Like the, 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 the cliche about aging like a fine wine is overused, but it's... It is. Let's just do yeah, it again. It's, it's a little yeah. bit accurate in this um, context, but I spoke to him I spoke to him when he turned up to watch Maddington beat us in the FFA Cup, and I asked him, like, how do you feel? He goes, look, that's my house. <laughs> like that's, like, and, and, and that's fair enough. He won so many titles there. He probably knows exactly where the post And he are. did the no-celebrate thing for, uh, for the for first two before two he saw that. How do we feel about the no-celebrate thing? I'm so over it. I, just in general. Stop being so respectful. Too much respect in football. We'll get I, onto I, that later. I, I, I agree with it. If you if you've been at a club for as long as he was, it yeah, what I, was was gonna was like, I was going to say that. I was going to say like a mural of you, like. But when Daniel Sturridge scores against Manchester City and then won't celebrate, like, oh, what have they no. done for you? Yeah, 12, 12 years ago he got sold. Yeah, as a youth prod, uh, product, but. but 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 Gustavo Marylander, if you look at the role he played in Bayswater in their history, you know he is inextricably linked with that period where they were the top team in West Australian football. And uh, I think he had a, a couple of lean years and, and eventually he was uh, surplus 
true requirements. He went to Gwellup for a bit. He was at Sorrento and the last season and a half, I think he's recaptured some of his old form. He had the Gustavo Marilanda game last year against Gwellup where he scored that unreal hat-trick where he, uh, where he sat down and, and he didn't even take the penalty that he won where he sat down Salinger and got him sent off on a, on a naughty turn. And uh, now he's done it in the first game of the season. Uh, you can see he, he's if, – if he can play like that every single week or most weeks – then it actually puts Sorrento back in the discussion. To you, you think they might up stay up? Hope. You think they might stay up if he plays like that every week? If he plays like that every week, they'll do. Has they'll anyone do way predicted? More than has stay. someone predicted Sorrento to go down? Have they? I we'll we'll no, get to that. No, 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 no. I, got, I was I got stitched by by Kalichi's, uh, uh, Kalichi's fear of having anyone name a single team to go down. Oh, well, I think I know why he was doing that, but we'll get to that later. We'll head down the fixtures. Perfect start for Sorrento. Uh, 1-1 draw between Perth Soccer Club and Perth Red Star. Deadly Darrell getting the goal and getting his uh, season off to the same start the way he finished last year. Uh, I think most would be most people's predictions for leading goal scorer again, unless people got bored of that and tried to do something a bit quirky, like I think a couple of us did, but not a good start. Never bet against uh, Darrell. And then Armadale. One, two, three, four, five. We know they're a team that scores bags of goals, but six, one in the opener. Uh, Amira Jan with a couple. Uh, Daniel Robinson against his old club. I wonder if he celebrated. I didn't he, see the he, goal. He, he, did. <laughs> he, did, he, did, he did the jockey, I think. Yes, he Daniel. Horse. Yes, Daniel. That's the way. Jesse Lazaro with the consolation for, for Coburn. And those two players were, were the two that really sort of held that team together for a lot of the last few years. It's... It's going to be a tough year without them, don't you think, Tommy? Without uh, them together, anyway. They still got Jesse, but I, I don't know what his he was. He was going to be working away, so I don't know if he's going to commit his full season to them. So it's it's going to be tough for Coburn, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure of the ins and outs of that, but yeah, on the face of that first round, it's um, it's certainly not looking good. Um, obviously, defense is is the foundation that you sort of want to have um, when you are a, a, when you are sort of trying to sort of dig out results and. On the basis of that first day, I mean, I suppose we've got to counter that by saying Armadale were also very good on the day and they did have um, a very efficient afternoon in front of goal and they, they did create multiple chances as well on top of that um, with five of the six uh, goals coming from new signings. So, yeah, ov- obviously maybe um, from Coburn's perspective, it's maybe just a case of maybe just going back to basics. Obviously, Steve McDonald, the coach, was a, a former a defender at Sorrento back in his day, and I'm sure they'll be working on a little bit of shape this week ahead of their um, game with Bayswater. Well, they would want to be. Uh, that's the negative side of it. But as you said, Armadale did play very well, and they've scored. I mean, they've scored almost 20 goals already. We've barely started this. If you include the night series, they were banging in threes and fours on the reg. Didn't turn up for the semi final, but now they've opened the season with six. So I'm sure John O'Reilly's going to be. Uh, rubbing his hands together with, with, with this start to the season. We won't talk too much about them because we'll, we'll get John on at some point and dive in a bit more to Armadale. Uh, the glory, the juniors, you never know what you're going to get, but they got up with a, a tasty little 2-1 victory away at... Uh, Balcata. Thank you. I didn't write it down on my sheet. This wedding's really uh, thrown me for a loop. But a uh, good start for them. Um, Bailey Brown Montgomery and Nicholas Ambrosio getting the season off to a great start for Floriot uh, before a second half collapse, saw them lose 3-2 to to Inglewood. Uh, Anyone catch anything from those games they want to talk about? 
I just wanted to make a point about Belcada. I, I tipped them to win that game, one of the few people in the group chat who did. I did as well. And I, and I did so because you look at their next fixtures and it's Inglewood away, Olympic away, Sterling away, Bayswater at home, Red Star at home, Armadale away. Those aren't really like... <laughs> Those aren't easy fixtures. And so I thought, look, they've got to they've really go out for this game because you want to get three points on the board and get early. And they were up 1-0. And with the defense that they've had, you'd think, okay, um, Tongi, Trent K, um, we'll just sit back and absorb and absorb and encounter. 1-0 is plenty. And the fact that they didn't do that, uh, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing on that side because that's, that's the points that they really are going to be looking for because these next set of games, not to take anything away from them, but these are the teams who we think are going to be challenging for the title and it's going to be really hard for them to get some results, but maybe they can get some counter-attacking goals and, and, and try to get some points. Yeah, all I'll say is that uh, Coburn are probably uh, quite happy with that result because uh, it might be a bit of a battle between those two. That's how it's looking early days anyway. Uh, two relegation spots though. The, oh, is there two relegations? So this is yes, how unprepared the, well, I am. It's a playoff. It's a playoff. Oh, and a playoff. Yeah, oh, that's so, saucy. So well, tell sec- the people. How's so it working this year? Second, third, and fourth in State League Division 1 will go into a playoff with the 11th place team in the MPL this year. So it replicates what happens between uh, the other Div divisions. 1 and Div yeah. 2. Yeah. yeah, great. And then uh, the other big main event this weekend was the two... Well, most recently promoted teams, Kingsway obviously coming up and winning the night series and then would have been going full of confidence to Macedonia Park, which is not one of the easiest places to go. It's a bit of a cauldron down there, and I'm sure it was no different on Saturday night. Uh, which one of you three wants to take the lead on this one? Yeah, I thought the, the, these two teams were both very good. Um, I don't think Kingsway, despite the 2-1 defeat, uh, lost any friends. I think they come out of that game with a lot of credit against uh, a Sterling team, I think, that are going to be very good this year. Um, a, a lot of the, the big performers sort of stood up um, for both teams, really. I, I thought Kingsley Eshin built on his night series um, show, semi-final showing goal and assist and, and obviously uh, got a goal and assist again in round one. Kalichi interviewed him after the game, so go and check that one out on the socials. Um, good, to, good to sort of have a chat with him and, and get to know him a little bit more. Um, and, and there was a couple of big saves from both goalkeepers as well. Davey Keenan and, and James Bosdett were both busy in their respective goals. So, yeah, a really good atmosphere and um, plenty of chances at both ends. And, um, yeah, it doesn't sort of dampen any confidence that I have in, in both of these teams being right up there for the top four this season. Yeah, it's nice to see uh, Byrne get on the score sheet there. He's just one that always impresses me as a big number nine with his work rate. Uh, no different in that night series final was all over the place. He works really, really hard and, and the old cliche, he's got good feet for a, for a big man is, is no more true for anyone than it is for him. Um, how many is he going to get this year, Tom? I'm going to go for 12. Okay. Would he be happy with that? I don't think he'd be happy with that, but Kalichi? I was going to say that Sterling are going to be buoyed by that result as well. Um, especially with their midfield who they didn't have for now playing and Dejan Sveseski who I've picked uh, for one of the awards for the season. Um, <laughs> he was a, he was a late, he was a late cancellation um, for that game. So for them to play without their starting midfielders and to get that result against probably one of the best midfield combos in the league. Um, yeah, it's a really good result for Sterling. That's good to see, uh, you know, COVID, it seems is in the rearview mirror for the most part in terms of the restrictions around it. So it's good to see the international players back coming into the league. And we got to remember that players like Gustavo, they were international players. Daryl Nickel was an international player originally, and they're now fixtures 
in the NPL men's competition. So Kingsley Eshin, we'll see if he's the sort of player that, uh, that, that might stick around and, and could make a bit of a name for himself in Western Australia. Well, that is all for the men's NPL. Actually, we will touch a little more on the Armadale-Coburn game because it had not only our first red card of the year, but our first dogzo of the year in the league, Josh. So I can't wait to talk about that after this. And we're back for part three. We're going to take a little deep dive into the wide world of football. But before we do that... We have our men's NPL season predictions. We've just talked about the round's action, but before we did that... Is it too soon for me to change predictions? It is. <laughs> no, it's too late for you to change predictions. You've submitted them. They're in. Uh, but we will start with you, Tommy, because you're first on the list. Go through who you have got to win the league. Uh, my league winners this year are Sterling Macedonia. I, I liked a lot of what they did last year under Ian Ferguson, who I think is right up there with a the best coaches in the league. I think the league's best defence last year was a massive building block and a massive achievement for them considering that they were a promoted team last year. And um, I was still a little bit undecided on the evidence of what I'd seen in pre-season, but with Alex Tanevsky in form with Kingsley Eshin looking like he's going to be a good signing, um, if they can get another good season out of Calvin Whitney, I think the goals will come to square up that ledger and that may help them get the extra few points they need to win the league. Wow, spicy, spicy pick for league winners. Uh, did you go for something equally spicy for Golden Boot, Tommy? No, I went a bit more boring with that. I just think Daryl Nichols scored so yeah, many goals. Don't worry, you don't, have to, you don't have to explain that one. I don't think anyone that listens to this needs you to explain why you think Daryl Nichols is going to be um, the top goal scorer. Kalichi's just getting a, a call from John O'Reilly, so uh, <laughs> I hope, he, hope he's not calling to uh, to tell us something we can or can't say. Has he somehow managed to find a way to know what's going on inside this room? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like John O'Reilly could be watching you at any moment. But anyway, uh, Golden Glove, Tommy. Uh, similar note, I suppose, in terms of Sterling's defensive calibre, James Bosdett. Um, yeah, and he's protected by Jan Koloski and Palmer T, who I think are the best centre-back pairing in the league. So, yeah, and if, yeah, if, Sterling, are gonna, Sterling. if Sterling are going to win the league, there's a very good chance James Bosdett will be the Golden Glove winner. Best and fairest for the league? Uh, best and fairest, I've gone a little bit left field, perhaps. Well, maybe not because he won the um, Player of the Game in the Night Series final, but Tyler Garner, for me, is a player. He's he's young, he's all action in midfield, he does things on the ball which are exciting, he scores goals, he contributes assists. And I think if Kingsway are going to have a good season, which I anticipate them being right in the top four shake, I think he's going to pull a lot of votes and I think he's going to be right up there. Okay. And now onto the fun stuff that you uh, were a coward with and uh, wouldn't give us a prediction last year. Have you got one for Naughty Boy or Naughtiest Team? I'll give you I'll give, I'll give you a Naughty Boy. Yay! Here we go. All right. I'll give, I'll, I'll give you a Naughty Boy that's not on the list. Exclusive content for uh, for the listeners because this hasn't gone up on the – because your prediction had that blank, but tell us. But it, it, It's a boring one, but it's got to be Dennis, hasn't it? Dennis Gale. He, <laughs> yes. he, he, yep. he, he, loves, he loves the challenge, and we all love him for it as well. And I will, uh, I will personally go and say hello to Gallon next, uh, Dennis next time I'm at, I'm at a Florida game, and I will, uh, I will just sort of give him a nudge and say, "Hey, make sure you help me get this one over the line, Dennis." All right. So uh, then, for your top four, we've already got Sterling, but who are the next three that you reckon will be joining them in the top four, Tom? Uh, no reason not to think that Red Star will be very good again, based on the year they had last year. What I saw on the weekend and Daryl. So I've got them for second. 
Uh, again, same, I trust Floriot. I trust their experience. I trust that core. I, I, whether they can win enough games late on as they did last year might be the difference between them finishing thir- first and third as I have for them. And I've just been so impressed by Kingsway. I can't not have them fourth. And um, given what I saw on the weekend against Sterling, who I think are going to win the league, I've got no reason not to think that they aren't going to be in the postseason this year. So Sterling, Red Star, Floriot and Kingsway in that order. Okay, so you set out the uh, relegation prediction last year as well. You do realise when you get a big job for like the West Australian or a big media company, you are actually going to have to um, to make ladder predictions that go all the way down to the bottom, aren't you, Tom? Well, I don't want to preempt anything, Sean. I'm, I'm just happy to be. <laughs> I'm just happy to be a positive guy, you know. Yeah. Okay, so you did say though, uh, or you have said to me that you think. There are a lot of other teams that could make that top four and maybe another three or four that uh, will definitely fancy their chances and, and a couple that, if everything goes right, um, could be there as well. Any other teams that you think you, yeah, might, might give that a bit of a shake-up? Well, I suppose the, I suppose the obvious one's Inglewood, again, based on what we saw in the night series, obviously early in the season. But for them to obviously come from two goals down to beat Florida at the weekend was a bit of a statement. And Andreas Oliveira's got plenty of options um, going forward now. So I think they're a team that, that are definitely one to keep an eye on. They've got Balcatter at home this week. They'll be fancying their chances of being two from two and um, and continuing their good start. And I suppose just one other watch is, is going to be Sorrento. Um, we spoke about it earlier, but I, that's a real testament to Steve McGarry's coaching that he was able to get them so organised um, within such a short period of time. I know Gus will get the headlines um, but they look so well organised, and um, yeah, that, that he, bit of um, bit of praise must go to Steve McGarry for that for what he's done there in such a short period of time. Okay, so for any of the teams that you didn't mention, uh, Tommy thinks you guys are finishing on the bottom, so we'll just do it that way. Uh, I've gone for Perth Red Star to win the league, uh, as you've said, same, all the same reasons. So I don't think we Tommy's sort of said it all. So unless we've got something a bit different, uh, we don't really need to explain it. I did go a bit different for Golden Boot, mostly because I was bored and and just didn't want it to be a deadly Daryl all the way across. Uh, so I've gone for Michael Domfay, hoping that his uh, partnership with Harry Evans is is going to blossom because I was quite impressed with what I saw from them. Uh, in the night series, and and yeah, he's the sort of player that had a really really tough season last year. But as I say, sort of player that if he gets going, he can really get going and start banging them in. Um, plenty of goals in the night series, but none so far in the regular season for that prediction. So we'll see how he goes. Going for James Bosdit for the Golden Glove. Andy Higgins, uh, I've picked for best and fairest. I think he's the sort of player that once you notice him and start noticing him, you always start noticing him and you see everything that he does. And I think his uh, night series, uh, sorry, not night series, his uh, top four cup final game that that we all obviously raved over, I think just maybe put him enough in the headlight to start getting a few best and fairest votes from people. Josh? He he came off hurt uh, quite quite late in the game against... Perth. I'm, I'm not. I don't know if it was that serious an injury, so I'm not not putting the kibosh on your pick just yet. I am saying he's a he's a uh, he's a pretty important cog well, in that side because well, after he came off, that was probably when Perth started to get a bit of a, uh, a grip on the game. Well, we've. Uh, I was going to pick Calvin Whitney 
uh, for the gold medal. But then I thought, no, I'm going to put him in the naughtiest boy instead. So I think it would be Calvin Whitney, but he's, he, we know he can be a little bit naughty. So I think he's going to get a sending off uh, and, uh, and a few bookings, and that'll put him out of the running. Uh, naughtiest team, Armadale, because I've always got to pick them for something negative just to try and rile John up. Um, I've gone a pretty, I mean, all our top fours are going to be pretty similar. I've gone Floriot, Sterling, Red Star, and Kingsway. It's exactly the same as Tommy's. Um, but with the uh, bravery that I have, I will pick a bottom three, and that is Balcata Coburn, which I don't think is in dispute. I think it'll be those two teams, and then uh, you've got to pick a third, and I think the glory, just because you never know what you're going to get uh, with them. But those were mine. Josh, who do you have for the league? Uh, I think I had Red Star. You did. Golden Boot? Golden Boot, Daryl Nickel. Golden Glove? James Bosden. This is all very same. Best and fairest. I actually had Dom Faye for that. Hey, there we go. Well, we yeah, we had him. So So you think he's not going to win the Golden Boot, but he's going to win Best and Fairest? No. So I think that Daryl will still edge it in the Golden Boot, but I think that fatigue. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And then spread it around. But but I also think that uh, if because Dom Faye, he was the the standout man for Inglewood in the night series, and I think if. Inglewood fire to, to any degree. I think Dom Faye is going to have a big role in getting them up the table into the top four, which I think I predict. I think that they're in third or fourth. Okay. And then Naughty Boy, one of our favorites uh, you picked. Bailey, just B- for the celebrations. B- yeah. Okay. He'll get booked for a few celebrations, hopefully. Uh, naughtiest team? Uh, I had Coburn. Uh, Relegation I think, scrap. Yeah. Proved, be proved right with Gwell up last year. And uh, I think with the, with the girls, I, I had NTC and I won it. Uh, even though my reasoning was absolutely moronic. <laughs> well, we um we you got off to a flyer actually because Coburn are leading naughtiest team with Daniel Dolls picking oh, up the first red card of the season. So that's uh, exciting for me. And you reckon it's a dog zoo as well? Uh, it was a dog zoo. Yes, yeah, so we'll get onto that. We'll get onto that. Don't ruin. Don't don't uh, foreshadow the dog zoos. He might be my new favourite player. <laughs> and then you had Red Star, Sterling, Floriot, Inglewood was your uh, shake up in the top four. I did. I thought that they were pretty impressive across the whole of the night series. They've got some really good players who uh, can pull a rabbit out of the hat at any moment, as we saw with uh, Shab McCullough on the weekend, scoring two long-range goals a week after he'd put his penalty over the top of the bar in the night series final. Um, I thought they were probably just as good or close to as good as Kingsway across the whole of the tournament. And uh, I don't think I was able to split too many hairs between those two, Armadale, a few of those teams around the mid table. And your bottom three, obviously, Balcatter and Coburn, everyone that put in a vote, put in uh, votes for them. But you've also gone with? Oh, yeah, I had Sorrento down as the third one. I think I just saw a lot of people going for glory and I was like, I want to... Daryl Nichols syndrome. You did, no, I said <laughs> I want to give someone some motivation this year. <laughs> well, look what I did Look what I did for Armadale yeah, last Joey week. Joey hey? I like... Yeah, I like Joey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like... You know what? Uh, I, I like being someone that, that spurs people on. I like to be a motivator. I like to uh, give people something to strive for. And uh, oh, for Sorrento, if they want to prove me wrong, then uh, I'm sure they don't care, but great for them. You hear that, well, Nico Hoyle? We've got three different uh, league winner predictions, Kalichi, because you went for... Floriot. Back to back. Yeah, Here we go. Back to back. I thought, yeah. I thought they've got the institutional knowledge and they can do it again. Also went for Dom, probably for the same reasons as me for Golden Boot, just um, because, yeah, we had to do something different. Can't pick Schmeryl Schmeryl. Might, might be him. Jason Soldaris, though, for yes. Golden Glove. Well, if they're going to be win, winning the same league. Same as Rob, uh, Tommy's logic for Sterling. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you've also gone Tyler Garner. Are you copying off his notes? I, well, I wrote Gardner. 
Okay. <laughs> and realize that it was James. Not James. No, but Tyler. Like I, I think I think he catches the eye when he plays, and I think yeah, he's superb. Become something that referees are going to vote for. And if he's in the middle and he's really busy getting assists, getting goals, he's going to get points. And you already uh, mentioned you nominated this man for an award. Diane Spaseski. Diane Spaseski, who was uh, commented on our on our Facebook post about it, um, because not only have I tipped him for the naughtiest boy, I've also not tipped Sterling to make the top four. Agenda. Wait, wait, not the, the Perth top Football four. Podcast. Agenda-driven. The top four because I'm nonsense. <laughs> Doesn't even have them for the top four. Our naughtiest team. Coburn. Coburn. I think I got yep. Coburn. Good yeah. start. So the two of you are off to a flyer there, uh, you. and you've gone Floriat, Red Star. Uh, Kingsway, as I think, no, sorry, Josh didn't go with Kingsway, but other usual suspects, and then Bayswater, Ooh, yeah. also off to a bad start. Well, yeah, off to off to a horrendous start, and it's it's interesting seeing seeing that start because I've spoken to a, com- to a couple of the players, um, and just gone, guys, what what's gone on? And yeah, it, I mean, we've 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 alluded to this when we did the night series about the shape that they've got in midfield, and Declan Hargreaves is working hard. My goodness gracious me, that guy is working hard, but he can't do the job against a three-man midfield. So if that stays the place, then I think my prediction is going to go out the window. Okay, well, that's all for our predictions. Now it's time for... You'll get it soon. Jogzo! Jogzo! That'll do. Cut the music. Uh, Dogzo chat. Josh, try it. As we mentioned, as we <laughs> very good. We'll work that into the uh, to the intro music. Um, we had a dogzo, Daniel Dolls, for your uh, naughtiest team, Coburn. Not much arguing about that one, uh, I think, all round. I don't think even uh, the uh, offender had too many arguments as he walked off. But a dogzo that has caused drama around the world, well, in England, who think they're the centre of the world when it comes to football, FA Cup overnight, uh, we're going to touch on a few of our favourite little bugbears, mostly the, the treatment of referees, but to Set the stage for those of you that haven't seen it. Uh, Manchester United were a goal down, I think, halfway through the second half. Um, uh, goalkeeper was rounded, shot in, cleared off the line by Willian, and uh, a few complaints for handball. Referee didn't give it initially. In the end, goes over to VAR, and it is a tough one um, because it's one where Willian's arm is probably slightly away from the body initially and then he tries to pull it back in and as he's pulling it back in the ball sort of hits half body half arm would it have gone in if it didn't hit his arm I think probably but I I can see both arguments it's it's tough it's a hard decision and again the referees have to make these hard decisions and it's one where you're going to have complaints one way or the other if you give it or if you don't uh Tommy did you say it I did I had a little look at it before what what was your thoughts penalty or no Sure. Yep. He handled it. Yep, for sure. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. I I think I I wouldn't say for sure, but I would say I think it was a penalty. Um, but then this is when all the excitement happens. Is uh, the referee goes over to um, what was the referee's name again, Tom? You you know all this stuff. Chris Kavanagh. Chris Kavanagh. Okay, so he goes over to the monitor as he's looking at the replays. He turns around and gives a red card, uh, which has Martin Tyler thinking, well, the penalty must. Be given um, because he's giving a red card to Willian. Turns out that red card was for Marco Silva, 
who was in screaming at the referee as managers uh, want to do and, and as is their right because they never seem to get punished for it. Um, not sufficiently punished anyway, but then uh, it turns back to the monitor and then decides, yes, I am going to give this penalty because I just got yelled at by that jerk. So I'm, uh, I'm going to punish him in this way. Um, also because it probably was a penalty and then goes and gives the red card to Willian. And then as he's walking over to the penalty spot, uh, a irate Alexander Mitrovic comes up from behind him and uh, gives him a, a good old elbow shove. Uh, and then receives a red card of his own. Uh, and then as he's uh, been, being given the red card, he continues to it, tower over the referee, point at him, uh, yell at him, just the most pathetic display of uh, referee abuse we've seen for a while. Um, I mean, this, it's almost a weekly occurrence, but this one really, really stands out. Um, and... Uh, I've, I mean, we've we've talked about this at length uh, last season with obviously the incidents that we had in um, football in Perth. But the uh, you have the BBC and you have the Daily Mail. You have all these stories coming out about grassroots referee abuse and how we've got to cut down on it and and then struggling to get referees. To, yeah, to and and Chris like Sutton goes out to a juniors game and it's Chris Sutton and he's a celebrity referee and he goes and referees just to tell us all how hard it can be. Um, but I don't think going down to referee a kid's game when you're a celebrity and everyone just wants to be there to sign for you to sign an autograph for them is, is really a place to understand what it's like to be a referee. Um, so all these nonsense, bullshit, fluff pieces, uh, and then nothing gets done. Uh, two or three weeks ago, Bruno Fernandes has, or Fernandes, or however people want to say his name, has uh, a little shove at a linesman um, and gets nothing. Doesn't, doesn't even get a yellow card. And then the FA hide behind this nonsense rule that they've had since day one of uh, if the referee's seen an incident, you can't then go and re-referee it. So you can't change the punishment. So if they gave a horrible leg-breaking tackle and it was a yellow card, uh, now we have VAR and they will hopefully go and fix that. But once it's been done on the day, they couldn't change it. So before VAR, you'd have horrible tackles that would be yellow cards and be saying, no, the referee saw it. And it's like, it's like a, to me, that's like a police officer turning up to a, uh, a robbery at a gas station. I, I feel like this stuff happens in America. That's why I'm using terms like gas station. Um, <laughs> but you don't, you don't need, oh, the cops are going to a, uh, a shooting at the, at the servo. So, no, no, it's got to be a gas station. Anyway, so uh, the police turn up to, to this robbery at the gas station. And they catch the guy. Um, He's stolen a couple of Red Bulls, and so they charge him with a couple of stolen Red Bulls. And find out later, he also stabbed someone inside. And they said, "No, we saw the incident. We saw the incident. We've punished him for it. We can't go back and re-police uh, that incident." That is how stupid this FA rule is, and it just gives them an easy out for things like the um, Bruno Fernandez thing. Which I just think, if you touch a referee, that's intentionally push a referee, it should just be a minimum eight-game ban, ten-game ban, whatever you want to put it. But it has to be uh, it has to be severe because otherwise, if you're not getting punished, you, you're going to keep having these situations. There's no deterrent. But Mitrovic's was ten times worse, and now they're in a situation where they didn't punish Bruno, so Fulham can be a little bit irate if he, if he gets a big ban. Why are you touching the referee? Like, there's, there's literally no reason for you to be like going even near the referee why are you touching it's just passionate mate it's just passionate it feels like it doesn't happen in any other sport as well yeah well yeah it doesn't 
I mean, it, and to be fair, it doesn't happen often in football either that phys- referees actually get physically manhandled. But this is what we talked about all year last year was, they get, they get was that the yelling and the mobbing and all of that. You, you're always just one brain fart away from someone doing something like that. And, and Mitrovic was just that little bit closer to, to headbutting him or something. He's, he, he hasn't assaulted him. Like if you walk down the street, you're not going to get charged for assault for that. But he's given him a proper elbow, a proper little forearm shove in the side. And then it's also one of those shoves that if it happened to Mitrovic in the box, he goes down. Oh, and this is what I was going to say. So Alexander Mitrovic is, is one of the biggest, toughest physically footballers in the league. And he wins games off his own back. When he's, when he's on his game, he's unplayable because of that. And because he is the big man, he is impossible to knock off the ball. He bullies centre-halves. He bullies Premier League centre-halves every week. And then he will go into the box and get a touch and go down holding his face. And doing that, he's doing that to try and win a penalty. But, and it makes the referee's job impossible. And he then... Wants the referee to referee the game perfectly, but not even perfectly, because as Tommy and I have just said, probably agree with his decision. And then you get the right to go up and shove him. So you spend your whole life, your whole career, trying to make the referee's job as hard as he possibly can, being as dishonest as you possibly can, as cowardly as you possibly can. And then you go and shove him when he makes a decision like that. And I just, man, he should be gone for 10 weeks. That should be the end of his season. Um, But like I said, again, if he does... I think they have room to complain because of this stupid rule that... So Bruno didn't get anything, and now Mitro will probably won't get the full length of the ban that he deserves, and and the treatment of referees as a priority just continues to slide, and they just don't seem to care. Anyway, that's my rant. Anyone else got any thoughts? I suppose yeah, yeah. the only thing I was going to maybe add to that is, I mean, it's just the intimidation for me that I that I don't particularly like. I just think it's a bit gross. I just think the whole idea of Something happens within a game and everybody runs over immediately as in as if that's the first thing you think of. It's not about maybe reflecting on the mistake that led to the foul or maybe getting back in shape to defend the free kick. It's just the straight away we go over to the referee and we and we berate them as if to try and um, sway their decision. And yeah, I, I just don't like it. Um, and like you say, I think the, the, the sooner that we spoke about this last season, but the sooner that retrospective bands are brought in for that sort of stuff and the, and the, the governing bodies are strong enough to be able to make those calls the better and maybe 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 it is a matter of getting back to the stage where only the captains can speak to the referee or approach them yeah I don't, I, I don't even think that should be a up for debate it just why 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 should every player in the pitch be allowed to run over and surround a referee it's just the most ugly scene it's always bloody Bruno Fernandes as well the first a, first one there it, it, it's like almost a mentality ideology thing as well though because there's like players and coaches and that who honestly think you've got to put pressure on the referee and, well like and you've you, got to you, complain about not it. only do you not get punished for it but I think you do I think you do benefit from it yeah you've got it's the roar of affirmation right when crowds get on referees back players get on referees back you start going Oh, you gave that one there. That wasn't fair. That shouldn't have been a foul. You have to even it up. Yeah, got to even it up. There's two teams in the game. How many times I've heard coaches at junior games, even uh, amateur games, go shout out, "Oh, there's two teams in this one, ref." That is you trying to put pressure on the referee so that he will give unfair free kicks for your team. Yep. Well, all of that referee chat has unfortunately meant we've run out of time to talk about uh, Liverpool's recent form. So uh, happy days there. Won't touch on Bournemouth or Real Madrid. Um, I mean, we 7-0 though against Manchester United. That was nice. Long, long time in the rearview mirror now, it seems. Uh, 
I mean, last thing in the Premier League, Arsenal look like they've got it. Anyone doubt them now? Anyone going to say City are going to win it? Silence. Silence. I don't know if City want to win it as well. Like the way that they're playing in the Champions League and even Haaland coming out and saying they signed me for the Champions League, they always won the Premier League without me. Yeah. And it makes me think that they've got one eye on, on the Champions League. I think Arsenal going out on penalties to sporting in the Europa League helps that as well. And yeah, I'm all for it at this stage. At the start of the year, I was thinking, oh, I don't, don't really want to know a few Arsenal fans who can be a bit obnoxious. So I, I don't. But for football, I'd, I'd, no, you I'd just want someone else after all. I'd love you to. You don't want it to be like the German League where yeah, Bayern I'd, Munich. I mean, that's finally competitive this season, but, you know. That's been a Mickey Mouse league for a decade. Yeah, but not just someone else either. It's a team that's been built uh, with youth it's, that, that hasn't just spent lavish. They all spend lavishly, but in, in comparison. And yeah, I think it'd be really cool. Kalichi? I hope that City, sorry, I hope that Arsenal do it with more than 96 points because if they win the league in one of the seasons that Liverpool could have won the league, oh, it'd really annoy me. But also, flipping things up, Tommy, your boys had a great result, mate. Up the leads. Uh, yeah. Yeah, long long overdue. Um, I know we beat Southampton, but we haven't been convincing. But yeah, it was it was a rare occasion when we were efficient in front of goal, which is what we haven't been for a lot of the season. So look, I'm not getting carried away. We're 14th, but still two points above the drop zone. It's 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 chaos down there. So come back to me in a few weeks. All right, we will. Well, we'll probably be back with you next week. So we'll ride the journey with you. Uh, that's all from us for this week, guys. If you want to get in touch with us, if the, we missed out your team, we want to talk about it. Send us a message. Uh, let us know. We'll have you on the line even if you're uh, uh, as entertaining enough or important enough. Uh, but please do send us messages, uh, Perth Football Podcast on uh, Facebook. Uh, get on to the Spotify or whatever your podcast app is and make sure you just hit that little five-star button. Give us a rate. Give us a subscribe. Send us a yeah, review. We'll read those out. Uh, really helps us spread the word and get found. So we appreciate you all. A uh, lot of love. And uh, any more for any more? Oh, I think I had a point earlier, which I got. What was the first time for everything, Josh? Oh, cut off on. All right, go on. Oh, but I do want to say it because uh, you were talking about the, the women's players, particularly some of the NTC players. Because uh, there was that NTC uh, Fremantle game before the fantastic Women's Night Series final on Sunday. And uh, Fremantle did win that game, but the play to watch there was Georgia Cassidy. She was walking on air. She was completely untouchable. I think she's going to be absolute box office to watch on the ball this season. All right, I'll wrap it up by saying we've got Kingsway unveiling their brand new floodlights in the standalone 7pm fixture this weekend against who, Tommy? Uh, Florida Athena, the, the champions. Oof, the reigning champs going under the beautiful new lights. Uh, there's been a lot of work going into getting them up and running. It's a, a lovely ground. So if you're not doing anything Saturday night, that's the place to be. Uh, anything more from you, Tom? No, just get out there, support your local clubs, go and have some food, go and have a drink at the grounds and watch some good stuff because, um, yeah, start of the season is an exciting time. So get out there and enjoy it. Sounds good. What did you think about that, Kalichi? Exactly. <laughs> Anything more from you? Uh, remember to stay hydrated and moisturise, everybody. All right, you go home and snip this up, mate. It's been a pleasure. We're back. We'll see you next week for episode two. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.